Welcome to the Climate Change Printers Podcast. This is your host, Devesh Tilokani, and on this podcast, we explore how entrepreneurship can play a vital role in the climate change space. Can entrepreneurship be the answer or one of the answers to fighting climate change? We're going to find that out by talking to entrepreneurs who are running businesses in the climate change space about their journeys, learnings, failures, tactics, lessons, and much more. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a current entrepreneur, or are just generally interested in the role that entrepreneurship plays in climate change, this podcast is for you. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get right into it. On today's episode, we have Brian Duarte. Now, Brian is a social venturist, entrepreneur, agile investor, and a licensed professional engineer. He's also the founder and CEO of Enlighten and co-director for a clean tech global impact accelerator at Founders Institute. He has experience in developing con- companies in the energy, clean tech, and sustainability sectors. Now, for Brian, energy is something greater than simply the power for heating, cooling, and transportation. It is actually the force that propels people and organizations. For him, the key to sustainability is not that if if we can overcome the technological challenges, but it is about finding the great people that are already creating technology solutions. His core values are love, integrity, and transparency, with his guiding objectives of good for people and good for the planet. Now, in this episode, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Some of the main themes that we discuss include Brian's overall journey in the climate change space. What are the two main characteristics that he has seen in all successful entrepreneurs? One of my favorite parts of this episode, personally. Why being a part of an accelerator, a entrepreneurship accelerator, such as Founders Institute, can really be a game changer for your journey um, and a lot more within that space. Thank you so much for listening as always, and let's get right into it. Thank you so much, Brian, for coming on the Climate Change Premiers Podcast. Really, really appreciate it, man. You're very welcome. Now, I know that there's like a lot going on as Enlightened, as Founders Institute, but I kind of want to pull it back all the way to the starting. Maybe okay. like all the way starting, how did You're you- are not going to birth, are we? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm guessing, how did your uh, journey in the climate change space even start in the first place? Okay. Um, I guess, it, it, you know, it could take it back to my entire working career. I've been in the energy space. So I graduated as an engineer and being more, even when I was an engineer and working on natural gas vehicles. So always been in the energy space, always looking at, you know, different options and alternatives. And really, it's, I could say it's in the last 10 years, there's been more of a focus on sustainability and and looking at clean technology, which was just a, I guess, an outpouring of where I was in my work career, looking at metering. So if you're measuring it, then the next thing is what do you do with it? And that led to a lot of these um, looking for different sustainability alternatives. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's incredible. And I'm guessing, did that kind of start your journey with Enlighten then? Um, no, Enlighten was was my second company. Um, or actually, yeah, really, really the second company that uh, I'd created, though, there's been four different companies along the way. Um, when I was originally with uh, Enbridge, so I was working f- for them. And then after I left, I created my first company, uh, which was called Metering Support Services, sold that business. And then um, 
rebranded and went into a, it was similar line of business, but uh, created a whole new company, Enlighten, and, and that's where it started. So that's that's been my company for the last was it nine years now. Mm-hmm. And has that I guess that because like four different companies has that entrepreneurship kind of just always been a part of the family, maybe, or were you kind of the first one, maybe? Yeah, it, it's been like I said. You know, my father was an entrepreneur. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. Uh, that's on my dad's side, and then on my mom's side, my great grandfather was an entrepreneur, which is like one unheard of back in, you know, guy in the Caribbean, he ran his own pharmacy as a black man. So, you know, having his own business, not, not that common, but it's always been in the family. I like to tell people my first business was uh, selling golf balls at the age of nine, you know, we'd fish the golf balls out of the Don river, clean them up, sell them back. And even to this day, I remember a Jack Nicholas golden bear was worth a dollar. That was the most valuable one. And that paid for the movies. It paid to go to the science center, you know. So I've always had that entrepreneur spirit. You know, I ran uh, Regal catalogs during elementary school. I've had a paper route, um, babysitting, uh, DJ company all through high school. So yeah, there's been you know the, the official ones as an adult. Yeah, there's been four, but you know, lots along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. And I guess the kind of it's like when you see that kind of journey in a person's life like through and through with every new thing that they take on and they kind of take something, they iterate, they learn from it, they move on. I'm guessing with your, with your current experience with Enlightened Founders, you've mm-hmm. probably taken all those lessons from the other companies and applying it over here. It's always something new, right? You know, you're learning from your past experiences, you're growing from it. You're trying not to make the same mistakes over and over again, right? But uh, it's a learning journey. Right. Um, it, it's always something. Yeah, it's it's different. And you're always learning from it. And I'm guessing that transition from Enlightened to Founders Institute. So maybe for people that don't know what a Founders Institute would love, you could explain that. And then mm-hmm. how was that transition from Enlightened to Founders? So I mean, that, that, that was quite the journey. Right. So um, Founders Institute is there's two aspects to that. I'll take it back for Enlightened itself. That business originally was pro- focus on providing services and that division of the company I sold um, back in 2014. And then I went to work for the company. I sold it to work for them for a couple of years, but I didn't sell the entire company. I sold um, when I left them a couple later, you know, that creative bug hit me again. It's okay. Yes, I've built this, I've done this, but I need to do something different. And then, you know, started expanding more into the sustainability sector then. And, you know, last year with, um, COVID, there was a lot of changes. There was an impact in the business because the sustainability sector is not one that unfortunately has been priced into the markets yet, right? So for a lot of commercial companies, they're not a hundred percent into it, ready to go. They, you know, there's, there's great initiatives, a lot in the go, but the ones that want to truly embrace it are still much at the government and institutional level and a lot of those funds got parked last year. Um, so we were making it through that. We were going along. And then in December, I decided to do a ma- mindfulness seminar, right? So I've done meditation and lots of those different things along the ways in my life. I tend to meditate uh, almost on a daily basis. Now it's twice a day, but back then it was almost on a daily basis. And then Somebody said, hey, you want a mindfulness seminar? I think there's something different. I said, sure, I'll give it a try. Did it over a lunch hour with this woman. And, you know, it was a group of us over Zoom. Yeah. 
And I went into a deep meditation and I came out of that with a very profound experience, right? Um, just a deep sense of looking, a deep sense of, of, of where it's going. And then from that meditation, I went for a walk in the woods and it really hit me that for me, my purpose, what I'm here for was to help other people's dreams come alive, right? It was, I realized that, oh, you know, all that time I'm seeking, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? It's not about me, right? It's about helping other people realize their dreams, make them come. And then it's the part I enjoy. I enjoy building things up. Nobody else can go run it. I'll help build the next thing, right? And in a space of a week, um, the staff that were working for me, one went back to help his wife's business bit, and then another one went to go help my wife and develop work with her and her business. So all of a sudden it was boom, big change in a short period of time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found out about Founders Institute, right? They were putting together a program for building, it was sure, um, venture funds for people that were typically entrepreneurs or want to build venture capital funds. And got myself a couple of partners we applied into the program so literally got an email on a saturday together a video on thursday applied on friday and we were one of about 1800 200 out of the 1800 that were selected to go into this program and so that led me to founder institute so founder institute they're the largest pre-seed accelerator in the world um they're in over 200 cities they're as i said pre-seed so companies that are just an idea or just starting to get growth they really have a structured program to help these companies grow and build. And they're tough, right? There's only a 30% graduation rate. So 70% com- people don't make it through, which is a good thing. It's the right, maybe it's not the right AD, maybe it's not the right time. But the companies that come out of their program, five years later, 80% are still in existence. Right? So that's the main thing of Founders Institute. But they started last year running a thing called VC Lab, which is teaching because you've got all these great companies and you know, their mission is starting all these great companies. They're going to make the difference in the world. All these, uh, but now we need funds, right? Venture funds to help create these companies and, and help them get going. So that's what led into uh, venture funding. And right now my business partner and I, we're launching a pre-seed fund for black entrepreneurs in clean tech. So building on my expertise in the clean tech space and found, focusing on black entrepreneurs because they're overlooked Last year, $150 billion went into venture funding and venture capital, 0.67% went to black founders. Wow. Yeah, less than a percent. And if you're a black woman founder, it's not even a rounding error. It's so, so little. Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah, women founders, 2.3%, right? So, you know, my business partner, when she heard that, she said, hell no right (laughs) that was her reaction you know and so that's a a part of where we're in there but also while we're a part of founder institute they asked us to launch a global clean tech accelerator so therefore you know each of their accelerators are what i call more generalist as long as you have a scalable idea not a service-based business but it's something that's scalable the program is great for you but they didn't have anything focused on clean tech right so they approached us and said, you know, since you guys are not doing enough, right? You got a lot of spare time. Uh, why don't you launch this global clean tech accelerator? So we started looking at that. And then one thing led to another. And it, it made sense to do it inside of the Toronto chapter. So the Toronto uh, Founder Institute, they've been around for seven years now. They're in their 20th cohort, just starting this July. 
uh, but we're going to launch a clean tech impact vertical in there. But we're going to bring in mentors from all over the world. Just today, I was connecting in with um, a couple of uh, professors out of the universe, two universities in Nigeria, another one in Brazil, of connecting in someone with Australia. So we're going to really bring global perspective right here to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm guessing, what's the benefit of someone? And of course, I mean, a lot of people know that, but like, what's the benefit of like going in for like an accelerator like that, than sort of just going down the beaten path yourself, sort of, you know? The thing with an accelerator, right? And there's lots of different ones out there, right? But the benefit of an accelerator is the mentors you have around you, right? There's no, you know, as I said, my entrepreneurial journey, there's lots of ups, there's downs, there's things that worked and things that didn't work. But if you can go into a program where you can find yourself great mentors, right? And Founder Institute is unique in that any company graduating has to give 4% of their company back over in warrants back to Founder Institute, but everyone shares in that. Founder Institute itself only gets 1% of that, one per, like one into four, so call it 1%, but 1% also goes to mentors in the program. So the mentors are incentivized to make a difference, right? And, and so having those mentors is key, right? You've got advisors, you've got people that have gone down this path, made the mistakes like you know you'll have enough mistakes as an entrepreneur to make on your own why not help somebody else you you know figure out the mistakes that so you don't make the same mistakes everybody else made and you can just make your own right that's that's the biggest value of it the other value is a structured program right so for us the same thing when we went through in the venture building the same thing you have with going through just building your business it's structured so what would typically take you one year, two years? Uh, I can give an example on the venture side. What would normally take 18 months to get to first close? You can do in four to six months. So the word accelerator is really what it means. You yeah. get there faster, right? Yeah. A lot faster. Yeah. Right? And they teach you a lot of the things you need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the mentor aspect, um, mm-hmm. I know that you said that one of the two main characteristics that you see in entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, is mm-hmm. coachability. Mm-hmm. So love, love we could speak about coachability and the other characteristic as well. So the other characteristic that I see, the key one for entrepreneurs is passion, right? So you, if you have a passion or a purpose, that is what's going to take you through, right? Uh, the first part of the journey is typically referred to as, you know, the valley of death or, you know, the drunken walk because you're going up and down and up and down, whichever way you want to refer to it. And if you have that passion behind you for what you want to do and what you want to deliver, that's going to get you through those stages. When it's easy and things are going well, it's easy for everyone. But what's going to take you through that? But as being a mentor, when I look for a company, so I look for that passion in the entrepreneur. I look for their ability to to adapt as it goes along. But I also look for them to be coachable, right? Yes, I want them to be focused on what they want to do. I want them to have their own ideas. I mean, example of a company that went through Founder Institute is Udemy, right? Everyone thought, what? There's not it. There's nothing there. You're going to put up stuff and people are going to post their, you know, um, learnings and teachings and people are going to sign up for it. It isn't going to happen. It's now a billion dollar company, right? So, you know, that entrepreneur, they had their vision and focus and they stayed with it, right? But they were also coachable along the way. Chances are what you come in as your main idea isn't going to be what comes out in the back end. So you have to be able to adapt and pivot with it. And you're coachable to accept the input from mentors, you know, 
to say, okay, yes, that makes sense. You know, are, are you listening to, to what's being said to you? Or if you're stuck and you know it best, those are the ones that tend to struggle more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess it sounds like you kind of have to like put your ego in place as an entrepreneur, maybe. It's a balancing act, right? You've got to have that ego up front because if you don't have that confidence, you know, what do you call it, ego or you call it confidence or cockiness or, you know, that I'm going to be able to do this. You have to have that there, but you also have to, yeah, in a, as you said, put it in check a little bit to say, okay, I don't know it all. Right. I'm, you know, willing to learn from people around. And the thing I'm seeing with the majority of people that go into this types of program, I should say the majority the 30% that graduate, they're willing to listen to what other people are saying and, and, and take advice from them. I mean, that's where I spent uh, yesterday um, where I was mentoring. First, it started off mentoring someone in Ethiopia who's in the program in Silicon Valley. Then I was mentoring someone in Singapore and then someone, they were Canadian, but they were living in India right now. So, you know, I, I, and, you know and these people were all willing, you know, to listen and hear okay, here's my advice. Here's what you're doing. And they're still going to do their own thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And incredible advice there. And I do want to segue from that a little bit more into the climate change aspect. Mm-hmm. I know you, like your focus is more on clean tech. I'm mm-hmm. guessing question is what kind of role will clean tech being play, will, will play in mm-hmm. the fight for climate change? Because I mean, everyone knows you're kind of running out of time. Does clean right. tech kind of give you opportunity to accelerate that fight maybe? There's a couple answers to that, right? Clean tech is broad, right? Clean tech is a broad area. To me, I define it as any technology that enhances and supports sustainability, right? So that could be on the environmental side, the energy side, be in how we utilize food and food resources. So it's, it's, that's sustain- it's, it's sort of a catch-all. You can break it down into energy tech or ag tech or water tech or earth tech, like you can break it into so many different areas, um, but it's sort of, it's a, it's a catch-all. But to, to go specifically, I tell people, I'm, I'm an optimist, right? I believe that we have all the solutions out there that we need to reverse climate change, right? We just need the people to go out and act on those solutions, right? So it, so, Yes, the simple answer is, is clean tech going to be what's going to reverse it? Yes. But is it going to really be the people that are going to do it and deliver it? It's 100% the people, right? This is always, this is not a technology issue. This is a people issue, right? People have to be willing to embrace the technology. People have to be willing to educate others on on those technologies and and, and start a way and making a difference bit by bit, right? if if you're involved in it and you're doing something, then it's moving it in the right direction. You know, we're focusing on an area we were focusing more on the building space and how to make that better. But I can only impact that one area, right? That's why I wanted to get into creating venture fund, get into working with the accelerator, because now the difference I can make is magnified, right? But I still going to rely on all those individual entrepreneurs and business developers to each do their part i'm guessing it's like you kind of work on your skills that you have in place and then figure out a way noise and figure out a way to use that skill in in sort of the climate change space it's a combination it's not even just skill it's your passion i gotta go back to that 
right? If you give an example, I'll turn it over to you at the moment, right? You're here, you're doing this passion. You have a, a want to deliver this message to a larger audience, right? You know, it is a it's part of your skill set, but you enjoy doing it, right? And so you're sending that message. You're hitting this larger audience and getting people excited about it. So it's, it's taking that passion and getting people out there. Like I was talking to a person, he's passionate about making a difference in how people express their emotions. This is not necessarily clean tech, but uh, people bottling up their emotions, bringing it out there, um, saying it would resolve so many things if they can bring it out into the open and have a, a, a platform and a way to be able to constructively express and deal with your emotions. His background's IT. He's got his master's in IT, right? So he knows how to develop the technology, but his passion is for helping people with on a mental health issue, really. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the passion piece that makes it. And if, and if you can tie your skills in, like my skill is as an engineer, right? So where's that in building. So I have that skill set in building and so on, but my passion is about other people's dreams, right. And making that. So what am I doing? Build their companies. Yeah. I'm using all my engineering background skills. I'm using all the corporate skills that I learned in the corporate world, like how to read agreements and contracts and deal with that, how to manage people. So you build in all those skills, but it's that passion that's taking you forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the reason why we're here at, at 7 PM on a Friday, as an example, at the time was recording. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, for me, at least one thing that I'm super passionate about is having conversations with people mm-hmm. that are experts in their field. Like this is so much fun for me. Like I've worked since 8 a.m. in the morning and I am like <laughs> pumped right now because I was I was a little like tired before this. As soon as we got on, like this is when I know like this is what brings me energy. Um, but I said like this is something that gives me energy instead of takes energy. So I'm guessing it's like figuring out. Yes, of course, you have a skill, but also figuring out how to bring your passion with that. Yes. Yeah. You, you have to bring that. And I love you mentioned about energy, right? Um, my wife brings that up all the time, right? She's a, a divorce recovery coach, which we, that's a whole other different thing, but she's a healer. And she always talks about do those things that give you energy versus taking away your energy. You know, so that's where you want to put your focus. And that's what I said. If you have a passion for that, it will give you energy as you do in it versus just grinding through it day in, day in, day out. And not that there isn't any grinding because there is times you just got to get down to work, but that, you know, overall, if it's giving you energy, you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sort of, I guess this is a bit more of a personal question. Let's mm-hmm. say, let's imagine you're 22 and I'm 22. I sell this movie. This is a very <laughs> personal question. And you want to have an impact in the climate change mm-hmm. space, but you kind of have no idea. Like there's like no roadmap per se. You're, right. you're just kind of new to it. Right. Um I'm guessing how, if you had to go to your 22 year old self, like what kind of advice would you give that person at the start of their entrepreneurial journey in the climate change space? So, I mean, I think there's two pieces to that, right? Um, the entrepreneurial journey is different from the climate change journey, right? Or can be different. It doesn't have to be, right? So not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur, right? So you know, there's no right, you know, being an entrepreneur or wrong being an entrepreneur, right? Because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you've got to be able to deal with the uncertainties. You've got to be able to deal with, you know, at some point you're managing people, managing large teams, all the, all the different aspects of it, right? It's not, it's not for everyone. You know, some, 
in the, especially in the early part of the journey, okay, where am I going to get money, right? Where am I going to get money to feed myself, get, you know, take care of my team and so on. So there's challenges with that, right? And so that entrepreneurship journey is one that you check in with yourself right on. And, and one of the good things, I'm, I'm going to put a plug back in for Founder Institute, they have an entrepreneur DNA test that you go through first before you go into this program. I've taken lots of personality tests and different things. This was the toughest one I ever did, right? It was, I'm going, really? Right? It, it, you know, and I'm proud to say I scored 89th percentile, right? So, <laughs> you know, but so that, that's one of the good things, you know, going in and checking, is this for you, right? So there's one thing on the entrepreneur journey. On the climate change piece, you know, if you have a passion about a particular area, you know, are you passionate? It, it usually ties back into something. I know uh, one person that we're working with, he has a passion and he's developing a new type of battery technology and be able to rent batteries and a real energy solution for people in rural communities. Well, it came from, you know, he's here, he's working in his master's here in Canada and he's on his phone with his mother in Nigeria and the phone cuts out because his mother had to choose between, you know, what she was going to charge that day. Right. So that's where he was developed out of. Right. So seeing things in your everyday life or seeing something that, hey, that's not quite right. That's one place to develop. The other place, um, which you're familiar with, the Center for Social Innovation. Right. They've got their climate ventures group. I've been part of that since that came about in 2018. You know, so starting to talk to people in this space. Right. You know, reach out to others that are doing things, read up on it and see which part of it piques your interest, right? Um, and, and then find some like-minded people to start talking about it and, and just exploring it. I mean, it starts as, it, it's just an exploration, right? And then if you have some inkling of an idea and you want to be an entrepreneur, then I'd say jump into an accelerator and really hone that out in a short period of time. But otherwise it's just, yeah, it, it's finding those people looking for those communities and they're more and more growing. You know, listening to your podcast, right, and hearing, I'm sure, about the different people that uh, and um, that are in this space and working in this space. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a selfish motive with the podcast because <laughs> it, it's kind of a journey of self-discovery for myself, right? Um, because at the age of 22, you just graduated from university, it's your first job. Sure, everything's going great, but right. it's a like yearning for an additional impact in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of a way for me to kind of explore my own, you know. I, I'll put it back to, like, I think one of the things you're doing here with this podcast, right? And, I mean, not because just you're interviewing me here, but it's huge. Like I said that climate challenge is a people issue. And the biggest part is going to be educating people, you know, educating people on just the little things they can do. Um, there's a company, a group called Project Neutral. They're a not-for-profit organization. You can look them up. You can go in there and you can take a, a survey to see what your environmental footprint and impact is. Well, they have a program that delivers to kids in school. So myself uh, and, and another person I was working with, we were delivering it to his old high school, right? So teaching people about the things. And it's surprising how in Canada especially, almost 50% of the CO2 that's created and generated is from personal day-to-day living. It's not the big corporate, not the oil sands. 50% is from our day-to-day activities, whether it be for heating or cooling 
or if it's in, um, you know, the food we eat and, and, and what types of food. So that getting educated, right, which, as I said, this is what you do with your podcast. That's the first part, knowing what your own impact is and knowing what changes you can personally make. Right. And what I say to people, does it mean you have to be vegan? No, it doesn't necessarily. Maybe your choice to eat meat because it fits with you culturally, right, for among other reasons. But you're going to turn down your thermostat, right? Or you're going to go and do even uh, more local food sources. So again, there's so many different things. Your personal level, you know, that's always a good place to start and get yourself educated. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. So uh, it's surprising because, like, I think there's always this notion that oh, on an individual level, I can't really do anything. It's the corporations mm-hmm. that we need to fight in the end. Right. Yeah. And that kind of deflects the responsibility over yourself in the end. It does, right? And I say, you know, it, you know, yes, corporations can make a difference, right? Yes, governments can play a huge role in that. I mean, there's another area that I think, I think we're especially bad here in Ontario. We don't demand good leadership, right? We don't demand leadership that says, this is what we want to do, right? This is the way uh, you know, from our leaders. No, we want you to take action on this issue to you to go down this particular path, right? So, so for government and corporations to play, but we as individuals, we forget we have a lot of power, right? We forget we have a lot of power with, you know, what we buy, right? You choose, if everyone was just buying sustainable food, do you think anything else would show up on the shelves here, right? No, right? It's expensive now. I get it. You know, if depending on where, um, you know, for for certain groups, you know, it's not necessarily affordable. If depending on your income level, you, you can't necessarily afford organic. But if you start looking at some of the local farms, maybe, you know, you can make a difference. You're not necessarily fully going organic, but you don't have to be spending the, money, the same money. And it's no, it's that I'm not saying that that's the option, only option. But yeah, we have to look at ourselves first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and does that go back to pricing sustainability? Where if sort of if you haven't priced sustainability into your product per se, um, as a corporation or as an individual, the progress is going to be a lot slower. I wouldn't say it's slower. Um, I mean, I'm looking at uh, one of the companies I was working with just yesterday. They're looking to bring. Um, some different types of uh, tea drinks to the market, right? He, his passion is reducing the amount of um, uh, caffeine and intake that people did. You know, he used to work for some of the big um, beverage companies and he wants to see that change. But doing this, he also wants to look at how he can do it sustainably, right? Mm-hmm. How he, where he's farming, where he's getting the sources, making sure the farmers are taken care of. You know, so it doesn't slow you down, but you do have to think about it right? You know, you can't just do this, right? It, it takes thought, but it, so if, if the thinking slows you down, yes, a little bit, but overall, you know, if consumers are now demanding it more and more, which I think is happening. So when the time you've brought that product to market, you're further ahead than your competition that didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 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 Um, I, I want to go back to one thing that you mentioned with Founders Institute, and I just want to cover this again because I think it's super, super important. Let's say you don't have the privilege of going to something like a Founders Institute. Mm-hmm. Would you say at least finding maybe one or two mentors in your space that might help that could kind of at least be like a guiding light per se in the right direction? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, if 
Yeah, I mean, Founders Institute, there is a cost, right? Um, to get into the program. Um, though there's, there, there's ways to get scholarships into it sometimes. And so on, depending on what your situation, you know, could, uh, something could be worked out. But for the most, the cost to go into it. But if you can't, for, then definitely look to getting mentors, right? You can offer them shares in your company. So that's their stake in it. They can say, yeah, I don't have money to pay you as an advisor, but I'm willing to give you a stake in the company. And if, you know, you've sold them on your vision, they'll say, okay, I'll take the stake in the company and I'll advise you and help you build this up. And, you know, everybody's got something, right? So finding that, I mean, I always say it's tougher sometimes to work with a partner, but if you can find a, you know, a co-founder, that's always a bill, right? Somebody, because when you're on your down days, hopefully they're on an up day and so they could, can boast you. But that's also a tricky thing to working with, 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 you're, you're in it. It's like a marriage, right? You're in it for a long period of time, right? My venture and I, you know, when we, we really basically sign vows to each other because we know we're in for this for the next 10 plus years, right? So you, you got to look at it that way as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just something really important there because um, I think a lot of people make the mistake of maybe choosing the wrong co-founders mm-hmm. and, of course, that can lead to a lot of different things. Maybe there's like a couple of characteristics or factors that you've seen that really make a difference in like the right co-foundership relationship. That it's a tough one. I'm dealing with one company right now where that's broken apart, right? <laughs> so, and the company's got traction and they're going. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's like with any relationship, the more you know yourself, the easier it is. And at 22, yeah, that's hard. Right. I will say at 22, did I know myself? No. Right. Um, though I do find, you know, uh, that's, that's an individual thing. Right. Um, you know, you want someone, you want someone that you can work with, but you don't want someone that's just a mirror of yourself. I mean, that's the other thing you're looking for in a co-founder. You want someone that, you know, compliments you, has the skills where you don't, you know, if you've got the financial side, maybe the sales and marketing side. Right. Uh, so, so that's a key aspect. Another key aspect is you want someone that's willing to challenge you. Right. And you have to be willing to be challenged. Right. You don't want to work with someone that, oh, yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, 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 I agree. And then all of a sudden, no, I really didn't agree with that. Well, why didn't you say something, you know, two years ago or whatever the case would be? I mean, yeah. I've had that myself, you know, working with uh, co founders that um, it, it didn't work out. Right. And it, and it caused the loss of friendships, you know, long-term friendships. So it is something you, you need to pay a lot of attention to when you're going into. And, you know, even if, even down at the beginning level to write a contract between the two of you, you know, happens if something doesn't work out, right? So that at least everyone's going in with a clear picture of what this looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I guess in the starting, it seems like these small trivial details wouldn't matter but they tend mm-hmm. to matter a lot in the long run. I know that this is something that like, I like to like make sure that the, it is as practical and possible as as practical as possible. And it has been super practical, but if there's like one step, let's say uh, someone listening to this didn't hear anything before this, they just came in at this part of the podcast. <laughs> and if there was like one, just one step that they could take like today or like this week or whatever, to kind of further themselves in their climate change journey. Um, what would you say it should be? Know your own environmental impact. So that to me would be the one thing. Start there, right? Know, know what you are and then just, I mean, it's guess it's two things now. And then 
just start looking to what part interests you, right? Is it the energy side? Is it the food side? You know, um, it, it's, it's getting yourself educated, right? And I guess the underlying piece to all of that that I think about it, knowing you can make a difference, right? So the climate change looks huge. It's massive, right? But if you start with a foundation that I know I can make a difference, no matter how small it is, the place to start. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yes, right now it can really feel, and I, I definitely have that sort of imposter syndrome per se, it's like you're one person like what are you gonna do just might as well just shut up sit down and uh, not do anything about it you know right uh, like this it happened with the podcast there was there were moments where i was like why should i start this like who am i to even talk about this in this space at all mm-hmm. but i guess it's about listening to not listening to that voice and just continuously moving forward i guess yeah, you, you know you know, there'll always be the voice in your head that's gonna throw in the doubts you know tell you you can't do it this isn't gonna work right and lots of people listen to that right and the ones that make a difference are the ones that don't listen to that voice, right? Because it's just lying to you, right? It's, 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 it's keeping you small. It's keeping you away from your greatness. And yeah, tell to shut up. You know, I heard you. It's good. Talk to you tomorrow. And you just continue on. Yeah. And this is a bit of curiosity, but I'm guessing on that point, do you ever feel like sometimes you kind of act, have to act like a mindset coach when you're with these entrepreneurs and, and founders? Like you're really working on their mindset sometimes? That's all, all you're doing. Right? <laughs> like I said, it's... it's you know, I don't, I'm not the, shouldn't say that. There's times of it, if it's specific to my area of expertise, right? Like if someone was going into the energy field uh, specifically, or, or some of the building sciences stuff, that the areas where I've explored in depth and detail, yeah, I can get down and technical with them. I can help people with the financials, you know, because I, I know all those aspects of it. But the majority of it is, is their mindset, right? You know, I, first questions we're always asking people is okay why are you doing this right what's the reason you know you know what is, is this where you want to focus right and just keep again people's mindsets around what they want to do working with one business today he's growing he's doing well but it's like okay you can't do it all right you have to start thinking about what parts can get people to 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 see how to do things yeah so it's it's always it is some form of mindset coaching or, or not along the way. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Brian, this was amazing. I could talk on and on and on, and on <laughs> with you, um, but this was incredible. First of all, I wanted to say thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. It was You're an absolute welcome. pleasure. Welcome to Vash. <laughs> and secondly, I would love, love if you tell us, tell our listeners how they can find, find you and your work. Uh, I guess the easiest way right now is go to my website, enlighten.ca, E-N-L-I-T-E-N.ca. Uh, or you can email me brian at brianduarte.com uh, you can find me on linkedin a uh, little bit on twitter i'm you know I, i'm a little old school i'm not out there fully on, on the social media yet but I'm, I'm getting there linkedin is linkedin is probably my most active space right so just look, look me up on linkedin have connect with anyone uh, i tend to make time for people so you know if anyone wanted to talk about stuff you know um, happy to connect and you know spend a little bit of time, give people some direction on where they need to go. But yeah, LinkedIn is the easy, is one of the easiest places to find me. Right. Definitely, definitely. But if you just remember the name and then it's just Brian at BrianDuarte.com, you know, shoot me an email and go from there. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. And you're not old school at all. Cause I'm 22 and LinkedIn's my top used platform myself. So, I mean, there okay, you go. there we go. Yeah. You know, I, I'm <laughs> just starting to figure out the Twitter, but uh, you know, and, and how, how best to use it and, 
you know, I follow a number of people, but I, you know, I don't produce enough content to go on there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, Brian, this is amazing. So again, I want to thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. All right. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the Climate Changepreneurs podcast. Really, really hope you enjoyed that episode. Now, I personally always love hearing back from listeners, whether that's feedback or general comments. So feel free to connect uh, across with me on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn at Devesh Tilokani, D-E-V-E-S-H-T-I-L-O-K-A-N-I. Please let me know if I can help out anyway, whether that's something as simple as connecting you across with a guest you're interested in connecting with or feedback or in any other way possible. Again, thank you so much for listening and keep killing it in your climate change journey.